Hello, everyone. You're listening to Unlocking Greatness Podcast with Zenja Glass. Feel free to call me Z. I'm going to get right to the point. This lesson is going to be um, fighting in the spirit. I went live and attempted to do this um, lesson. I hate calling it a lesson because I'm no one's minister, but uh, this subject matter. Uh, I went live on this a couple weeks back, um, and for the very first time in going live, the recording uh, didn't go through. There was something off with the microphone. Then there were several times in between I tried to do this lesson, and every single thing blocked me. And I am adamant that today is the day that God wants me to deliver this. It's going to be in three parts. Um, that way you have some time to digest it. I want to talk about all the mess we go through and how we have to fight in the spirit. I don't want to add a lot of fluff to anything. I just want to get right to the point because I feel like that's what I'm doing right now. And I feel like God is giving victories in those areas. Uh, and we've got to learn how to fight in the spirit. So the very first passage, the very first part of this section is going to be called, um, let's call it the fight. And then part two, uh, we'll call it um, the fears. And then part three, I think I'm going to call it the victories. So this is the fight. We have to open our eyes up to what is the true fight that's going on. The real battle is not against um, uh, other people or the actual situations that's going on. There is a real battle that actually happens in the spirit, and I don't even think we really are aware of that. I know we say we believe it, but I don't know if we really, really truly get it. So I'm praying to God to give me the wisdom and the strength to deliver this. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to talk about the full armor of God. That's where I want to start with. In Ephesians 6, verse 10 through, I don't know, we'll just see when I stop reading. I think verse 10 through maybe 14, it says, finally, hang on, because as you can see, my pages, oh my God, are literally coming out my Bible, and I'm trying to keep it all together. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here we go. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And then it goes on to talk about stand uh, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted in readiness, um, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Talks about, uh, it goes on to say, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then it just goes on to say and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests so follow me follow me I'm going to do my best to make this short simple to the point verse 12 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms do you believe that? Do we really believe that? I'm not preaching at you. I'm just talking. Do you really believe that the true struggles and the things that we deal with and we go through in this world, do you really believe that it's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm? And I'm asking that really as a rhetorical question, because if we really believe it, then we would respond differently. So let's go. Let's look at an, at, at an example in the Bible of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Let me turn over to that. You guys got to bear with me because my Bible is barely hanging in here. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to get a new one. Um, and I'm trying to keep my pages together. So hang on. Daniel, uh, what did I say? 
chapter 10. Okay, so in Daniel chapter 10, um, this is a good example of what's happening in the spiritual. Now, just to give you the, the shortest, shortest, shortest version is Daniel was waiting on an answer to know what to do and, and know what was to come for the people. Uh, and in verse 12, uh, it, this is this, the whole chapter is about Daniel's vision of a man. It says, uh, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. I may have to back up some because I just thought you guys may not get. It, it's important that you understand the context of a passage instead of just jumping in the middle. So maybe I'm just going to go ahead and start from the beginning so you can kind of get it. Um, uh, it says in the third. So Daniel chapter 10, verse one, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called uh, Belshazzar. Its message was true. And it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lip. I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. On the 21st day of the first month, as I was standing at the bank of the great river, the Tigris, just, just stick with me a second, you guys. I'll get to the point. It says, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. Hmm. What's this about? With a belt of the finest gold around his waist. That's interesting. His body was like crystal light. His face was like lightning. His eyes like the flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. That's interesting. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed, that that overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deadly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Follow me, okay? A man touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider the words I'm, I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. Now, here we go. Please just listen to this. He said, I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now, here's the verse I was actually trying to go to. Verse 12, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Okay, I'm in verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Who is that? Let me keep reading. Then Michael one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Interesting. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And then he went on and told Daniel what's to come. And I'm not trying to read all of that. I, I wish I had time to just read through all of it, but you can read it for yourself. I'm going to stop right there because I want to get to this point of what the heck is this about? In verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, from my research, from the classes that I've been in, I, I sit in a lot of classes with like the elders and teachers at my church. And um, man, one of them, the one that leads the class, uh, speaks and reads Hebrew and goes to the original places where, you know, Jacob's well, well was and all of that. So I've gotten a lot of background on this, but I want to be humble and saying to my understanding, um, when they talk about the prince of the uh, of the Persian kingdom, uh, 
I, I look at this as this is, it was some sort of a wicked territorial spirit that was opposing God's people. However you want to, you want to put in your mind, who, what is this prince of the Persian kingdom all about? We know that he saw someone that was like an angel who, who, who's uh, had a belt of fine gold around his waist. His body was like crystallite. His face was like lightning. We know that Daniel had prayed to God for wisdom, for instructions, for help. That's the basics that we do know. I don't think there's anything to argue about that. It's right here in black and white. And we also know that he said, since the day you first set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And then he had to call on Michael. Michael had to come and help. I'm going to get to that in a minute, uh, probably in the third section. Because I think it's very important that you at least have the most basic understanding of angels. Hopefully you know about Michael and Gabriel and, you know, the archangels and, 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 and all of that, the, the seraphims and the cerebims. Won't even get into that right now. Just let that park in your brain somewhere that there was some resistance. That's the whole point why I wanted to go through this one. There was some resistance. What is that about? Some, let's just say, angelic type being was trying to deliver a message. Daniel's having this vision. And he says, for 21 days, I was held up. Don't that kind of remind you of the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that we just read about? That makes me think. Now, again, I'm no one's minister. I, I keep things in black and white. But that lets me think, man, is there times where I'm trying to pray to God? I'm trying to get an answer for something. And there are spiritual forces of evil trying to block that answer from coming to me or trying to keep me from hearing what I need to hear. Now, I know the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and I'm going to get to that as well. I think that's in part two what we're going to talk about. But the point I'm getting at is capture the spiritual forces of evil. Capture the true struggle, the true struggle. Here, Daniel is, can you imagine for 21 days praying for an answer, looking for insight? Well, what was going to become of his people? And you may be tempted to feel like, well, where is God? I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I don't hear nothing. Well, what, what's going on? And all the time, uh, you know, according to this vision he had, there was, however you want to put it, call it a territorial spirit, call it an evil spirit, call it whatever you want, but we know it was not of God, blocking and trying to stop that angel or that angelic being from delivering that message. And then good old Michael, good old Michael had to come on and take care of business. I'm just going to keep it going. I don't even want to go too deep into it. I want you to read all of that. Go to Exodus chapter 17. I want to give one more example of fighting in the spirit. Exodus chapter 17. And I'm going to wrap this up from this one. This is just section one. Section one is just me just letting you guys know or reminding you. Many of you are ministers and already know this. The battle is spiritual. Whether you like it or not. If you think this is too weird for you, I can't help you. I'm sorry. But this is what the Bible teaches us. Spiritual battles is what we deal with. Spiritual battles. In Exodus chapter 17, remember when um, 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 uh, uh, Moses had um, freed the Israelites out of Egypt and uh, they were complaining in the desert left and right. We need manna. We need food. We need water. You know, Moses was just like, Lord, what am I going to do with these people? Like, it's just too much. He's just like, so in Exodus chapter 17, and I'm not going to read it all through, uh, but, but, it, but, you know, if you look in verse three, you know, it says, but the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us into Egypt uh, to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out uh, to the Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. 
The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Herb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this and then this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And it goes on to talk about what happened. I'm going to skip over that. But basically, he struck the rock, water came out, and all of that. Then it gets into verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, now catch this. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Well, why are you using... How does standing on top of a hill with a staff in your hand, how on earth is that going to help this battle that's in front of me? You know, God, how do you have me on my knees praying and worshiping you and praising you when I got this situation over here that's unchanged or this, this, this war right here that's coming before me? How in the world is lifting my hands to you going to do anything? Check this out. I'm trying to make this quick. You guys know I'm long-winded, but here I go. Oh, this is just so good. I just, mm. okay. Verse nine, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my right hands. Really? So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron, um, and um, uh, I, I can't pronounce this, her, went, uh, her uh, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hand, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hand grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And it goes on to talk about um, in verse 15, Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord would be at war against the Amicalites from generations to generations. And you may think, why, look at me like, why am I getting teary eyed? Well, you guys know I'm weird. I look at the scriptures and it jumps out to me in my life. Some kind of way I relate it to real life. As hands were lifted to the Lord. I just look at that as glory, honor and praise. As hands were lifted to the Lord in the middle of a battle because they were being attacked. They out somewhere in the desert and all of a sudden these people attacking them. Moses fought in the spiritual. Like what, what, what would make you think getting a staff and holding your hands up is going to make you win a battle? What makes you think praying is going to change that marriage or, that, or help that child or change the situation at work or your finances or whatever? Logic tells you, no, 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 no. You need to get out there and do the things that you need to do. And when all of that's settled and you have some peace, then you can lift hands and worship and do all of that other stuff. When you fight in the battle in the spirit, you go to God. You lift your hands in worship and prayer. You arm yourself with that helmet of salvation, that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that belt of truth buckled around your waist. You get my point? So this is just part one. Um, I forgot what I called part one is the fight. The true battle is in the spirit. I want you all to get in the habit of going into prayer, lifting your hands in praise and worship. I will never forget before my mom died, she told me, baby, she said, um, 
uh, you got to always call and praise on God. And she said, the secret in life is praising him through the storm. She said, baby, if you just remember that, if you just remember to praise him through in, in the storm, that's how you praise your way out of it. You notice she didn't say it's getting busy or working hard or doing this, doing that. And ain't nothing wrong with working hard, but you get my point. Fight in the spirit. So part one is to fight. Now I'm going to end this. Um, probably get a drink of water and then press play again and then record part two, which is going to be called the fear. I think I'm going to call it the fear or something like that. Anyway, I love you all. You know I do. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. Bye-bye.